Welcome to the Hay Kings podcast, brought to you by Vermeer, your expert in hay and forage equipment. James, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, John. Good to be back. What were some other key interesting things that you didn't expect to see or sort of things that stuck out? Now, we've already talked about the inconceivable nature of rail in Australia, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they make up for it with their trucking. If I say the phrase B double to you, you know exactly what I'm talking about because it's yeah. it's like the most normal average truck that you would see in Australia. Then you start getting into A doubles. This is where I get a little gray and fuzzy on this, but certainly there were A trailers pulled 40 foot A trailers pulled behind 40 foot trailers attached to the prime mover, attached to the semi, right? Mm-hmm. That combination... I don't think is legal anywhere in the U.S. The two forty-foot trailers. The two forty, and and I, I hope somebody doesn't throw rocks at me for my ignorance here. But I've seen triples in, like in I know in Nevada they can have triples. In Oregon they can pull triples, and they can put a lot of hay on a trailer. Those Aussies. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have a I took a a picture of the legal combinations that can be pulled in Australia. And I'm going to see if I can pull it up here really quick. And I'm just going to read off some of these because they're staggering combinations. So you have the B double Mm -hmm. and then you have the A double. So you can have Mm -hmm. two 40 foot ocean containers pulled by a semi at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then you can have B triples. So I don't know what a B triple is. Right. So that would be a, a B train. And if you're in trucking in the U S you know what I'm talking about. But it's a trailer hooked to the semi, and then a B trailer behind that, and then another B trailer behind that. Got it, yep. And then uh, an AB triple is a 40-foot trailer, and then I don't know how long the the A trailer is, maybe a 20, 20 or 24, somewhere in there, uh, mm-hmm. as an A trailer, and then another 40-foot B trailer behind that. And then mm-hmm. they have A triples. Now I'm told that that's more of a Northern Territory, Western Australia kind of combination. Yeah, and I think a lot of those setups would you would see more up north in Western Australia and Northern Territory, where the distances are even greater than where you visited. But certainly the B double is pretty stock standard. Um, but I think they're putting 68 bales, three by fours. On a mm-hmm. on a B double, yeah, that sounds about right. And that would be the bottom layer of bales would be on edge, three wide, so it's over width, and then four, then stacked four high. So three on edge, and then the next three layers would be on uh, on the strings. So they're stacking one higher than you can stack anywhere in the U.S. I personally haven't seen that, but yeah, that sounds that sounds right. I know it's pretty common to go three or four on there on the strings. Depends on the weight of the bales and how easy they, how well they stack. Right. Yeah, not uncommon to see a lot of B doubles with both grain and hay. So you know, flatbed trailer, but you also see a lot of grain grain B doubles getting around. Um, yep, that was know, some that was interesting too. 
whole hundred tons of grain in one truck. Ah, oh, yeah. I mean, it's nothing to have a hundred tons of of hay or grain on a truck. Yeah, that is that is yeah. not the heaviest load that I heard while I was there. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of the farms you visited would probably have their own trucking. Yep, um, and they'd be doing those, you know, pretty standard. There is, even though it's not a nationally reg- regulated industry, technically it is fairly standardised between the states, and right. there's pretty heavy, heavy restrictions on where those trucks can go. Yeah, um, as you could I mean, imagine, you, you can't. They, take... they wreck the roads pretty, pretty good if it's not a major highway. Yeah, you definitely can't take A triples everywhere in Australia. That's that's, and I don't even think you can take the A. Even du- the B doubles. In the B doubles, there's a lot of roads. I mean, you can yeah. obviously go to the, go to a field on a minor road, but um, they're, they're kind of strongly encouraged to go on certain yeah. certain highways. Yeah, absolutely. To just maintain the integrity of the roads, which that can be a problem in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the end, end of harvest. <laughs> the roads <laughs> those, get pretty rough. Those, like it. those tiny little country roads don't like it much, and there's a hundred tons rumbling across them. Right, multiple times a day, but right. That's interesting that the trucking trucking stood out to you, and you touched on it before that you could kind of make it make a fortune trucking uh, in Australia. So that's that's something that was different to America. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. when we're so used to eighteen wheelers, just mm-hmm. just the regular B double, like the smallest B double, has one, two, three, four, five. Six uh, six axles, uh, sorry, seven axles, including the steer axles, but six mm-hmm. times four is twenty four tires, mm. and then so like the B double would have twenty four twenty six tires. Mm. Yeah, you don't want to get a puncture, and that's the smallest one, right? Yeah. No, I was talking to the guys, uh, to some guys in South Australia that ran uh, prefabricated houses up to Western Australia when they had a bridge go out, mm-hmm. and they were running A triples in Western Australia, so just a big gargantuan long setup, and they had three of them, and it was mm-hmm. and it was a third of a mile to walk around and hit the and knock the tires with a hammer. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine that. I mean, they they would call that a road train. Oh, that's yeah. the colloquial name. Is like, oh, we've got a road train. Um, but yeah, that's that's well, pretty we, serious. And that's the distances in 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 northern Australia are just so extreme. For um, you'll see road trains of not just hay and grain, but also cattle. Yep, coming off the big stations to get to the the ports. There's some great photos if you kind of want to look that up of three. For three sure. long trailers of cattle, so loading it, yeah. those would be a fun job. <laughs> uh, that was one of the other things I kind of took away is when they go to load those road trains, there is absolutely no way, when you're pulling A-triples, there's absolutely no way to get to the back of the front two trailers. So here in the States, our cattle haulers have uh, stairs to get from mm-hmm. the lower level to the upper level. All of those trucks are loaded from the side, and they'll have two ramps, mm. one to load the bottom and one to load the top. Ex- yeah. External ramps, like lo- what I would call a loading chute, but it's a double-decker loading chute. That's for the road trains. Correct, yeah. The H, the A-triples, yeah. So that's, well, I think, but I saw that on just about every, I, I think even the, the B-doubles that are set up for cattle hauling. Yeah, some of the B doubles we've had at, at the farm at home have got the stairs, the hydraulic stairs. Sure. And they 
can load, they load from the back. So there's two trailers and the trailers are connected. Oh, I didn't see any like that. That's interesting. Yeah, because a lot of the sheep is still very popular in Australia as a livestock to run. So those those double-deckers will turn into four yes. rows of sheep. I saw um, more sheep in the two and a half weeks that I was there than I had in the entire rest of my life put together. Yeah, I could imagine that. Yeah, sheep, sheep aren't so big in America. <laughs> oh, I didn't tell you about at, at Hopeton, and I'm not picking on Hopeton. I dearly, dearly love this, but it... At the pub that night when we went to get dinner, the menu was lamb chops, mash, and veg. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Anything you like. Yeah, anything you like as long as you like lamb, huh? A- anything <laughs> you like, so long as it's lamb chops, mash, and veg. Mashed potatoes and vegetables. Following the, following the what was it, Henry Ford model on, on colors for his Model T. And Any I was, color you want as long as it's black. That's, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Uh, but I... The lamb chops were absolutely delicious. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, a lot of sheep still around there. Yeah, Australia um, has still has still got a lot of sheep. A lot of sheep in New Zealand as well, but yeah, Australia's got a lot of sheep. Yep. And big frame sheep. Uh, there's probably not a lot of sheep f- folks listening to this, but there were some really big frame sheep that I saw. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. certainly. In the areas you're in. You probably saw the probably the merino sheep, did yep. they say? The yep. wool? Yep. Probably looking at like weathers. I think these sheep would have been three and a half feet at the shoulder, three certainly three foot tall at the shoulder. Big, big animals. Much bigger mm. than I'm used to. Yeah. And that's kind of typical of those uh those type of animals. Further south you see a lot of guys do um crossbred sheep for meat production. Mm-hmm. Um and they can be a little smaller kind of smaller, chunkier guys that, you know, grow fast. And I did get to see one kind of old-style uh, sheep shed, shearing shed. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was pretty neat. Yeah, it would have been. I think a lot of the farms you visited would have started as sheep farms Yeah, when they were first settled, and they probably have a shearing shed somewhere, but I'm not sure how, how much it gets used relative to what it was used in the past. Let's take a break there, and we'll get a word from our sponsor. With the 605N, I feel I can go to the field and we just bail. We're not stopping, we're not adjusting. It's ready to go and it goes. I spend more time bailing with less issues that I've had with other bailers in the past. I'm Ken Moses and I get more hay put upright with the 605N Vermeer Baler. Hear the full story at makinghay.com slash haykings. There were several discussions about doing away with the sheep as we were there. Like, I, I think I was I was pretty fortunate to sil- still see bales of wool. I think if I were there in another five years, it'd be awful hard to find bales of wool on the farm. Yeah, I think a lot of, you know, the sheep are good, but they are a lot of work. It's a common complaint. You know, they're good in terms of uh, give you more flexibility in your operation, but finding labor to, to shear them and, and crutch them. So, yep. Crutching sheep involves basically you're not giving them a full haircut, you're just giving them a haircut around their butt to stop fly strike. Yeah. Um, you know, not too many kids leaving school grow up to, to wanting to do that as a career. Right. Um, you know, go and shear, go and go and give sheep's buttholes <laughs> free of, 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 of fly strike. So it is hard to get the shearers 
to come. Um, that's sort of half the battle. And um, at the moment, unfortunately, the, the price of sheep has have dropped quite a lot and mm-hmm. so is wool. So wool and sheep had a pretty strong renaissance the last five years or so. So I think that's probably kept a lot of these guys in sheep longer, but um, it's dropped right back recently. So it might not, the, the shearing shed might be empty permanently right. for a lot of guys, I think, yeah. in the next few years. That, there was definitely a lot of sentimentality around those conversations of getting rid of the sheep because, like you said, those farms were built on sheep. Mm, and, absolutely, yeah. And now we haven't touched on cutting down trees and how that's completely socially unacceptable, mm-hmm. but that is, that's a thing in Australia. And, mm-hmm. and my perspective as an American is at some point cutting down all the trees was highly encouraged. And at some point everybody looked around and went, wow, we did it. We, yeah. we cut them all down. They're all gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but not a lot. Because a lot of that country was cleared. Yeah, a lot of that Mali was cleared by those those you know World War One returned servicemen. Um, yeah, there's strong discussion. Um, Australia, as an overall nation, as someone as Australia who's lived in America for five years, uh, is far more liberal um, in general. Yes, not everyone, but in general, the, the the nation as a whole, adding everyone together, is is more liberal. Uh, more leftward leaning, and certainly the the um, more Europe, you know, leans more to, towards Europe in terms of its thinking as a nation, in terms of uh, you know, climate change, what we need to do about climate change, environmental yep. that, stuff like that would be my take tree as well. cutting. Um, and yeah, there's strong discussion that a lot of a lot of people will say things like, you know, Hopeton was a good idea in that area, and there's people who live there, but I've heard a lot of People will say, like, you know, maybe the government should just buy some of those farms and and put it back to how it was, you know, and then we'd then we'd help meet our agreements for uh, you know climate change emissions reduction because then all those farms would be covered in trees again. So that's that's you know if you had said that in the Hopeton pub, John, you would have been uh, you would have really had a you would have had a colourful discussion, I bet. But oh, um, I <laughs> I have the good sense not to not, <laughs> didn't well, go there. Didn't I, go there. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that I'd have that opinion to start with. I'd have to think on that a whole lot. Yeah, but it's uh, funny though because the, the Australian government did buy a farm of about a hundred thousand acres in western New South Wales just recently and they turned it into a national park. So oh, fascinating. Um, that happened in just the last couple of months. So it is um and that that type of country wouldn't be too dissimilar to what you saw around there. Right. And yeah, it was cleared for sheep. Now sheep aren't so good, you know, mm-hmm. broad acre broad acre farming is sustaining, you know, modern farming is, uh, you know, those guys are, as I said earlier, on the cutting edge of no-till farming. Oh, I mean, for they, sure. They've, they've got to be. Otherwise, you know, they don't survive. It's just, it's pretty tough up there. But yeah, yeah. they've got some fantastic innovations that come out of that region that everyone else benefits from. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Very, very innovative farmers that I saw. Certainly the no-till in Australia was huge. Um, that's really pretty prevalent um, everywhere, even in areas that do get more rain to... You don't see a lot of tilling the soil. Um, maybe every few years, just to break the resistance to Roundup and mm-hmm. us, um other herbicides. But yep. you know that that's pretty much I, half of the course. That was something that surprised me a lot. Here was you know driving around in the Midwest of guys out in November, December. You know, plowing in the corn stalks, 
plowing in the soy, um, you know, <laughs> right. and then the doing, doing it again in March and April, mm-hmm. you know, with the, with the big heavy disc plows just really ripping that black soil up. I was like, what are they doing? They're going to destroy it. They're doing it wrong. <laughs> but, um, it's I could see how you got there. Game. Yeah. I, I think some of those guys are raising two ton to the acre oat and hay crops, oat hay crops. I mean, you shorten everything, but oat and wheat and mm-hmm. uh, that, that drove yeah. me a little crazy. But uh, they're raising two-ton oat hay crops on yeah. 10 inches of rain. Yeah, unbelievable, really. And that's, um, you know, the high, the no-till um, precision points, all that yep. stuff was really sort of started. S- seeding a, between the stubble rows from last year. Yeah, So that precision seeding. agriculture. Uh, like oh. no burn, yep. not burning the stubble. Definitely no burning um, the, the Birchip, stubble. The Birchip Cropping Group, which is a town, Birchip is a town very close to Hopeton, which is, um, there's a Birchip Cropping Group, which is kind of well-renowned hmm. in Australia as um, a, a research area that developed a lot of that technology and information that is um, pretty common in Australia now, yeah, sitting between the rows, GPS, controlled, Controlled rows, um, uh, controlled yeah. traffic. I saw a lot controlled of traffic. Yeah, I, yeah, I would, I would call it controlled traffic. Uh, I saw a lot of that just about everywhere. The fertilizer mm-hmm. spreaders, the sprayers, mm-hmm. all of that stuff is on controlled traffic. So when it tends to be a little bit wetter and squishier and muddier, they're really staying in the tracks. And then when it comes to hay harvest, it's the they they do the best that they can to stay on the controlled traffic. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not. It's not perfect, but a lot. I mean, of, I'm sure a lot of the farms you visited probably have. I've seen some of these photos of you know photos of paddocks of fields in you know the 70s and 80s that are just um, with with the sort of technology they processes uh, they were using back then that were just sandy, and then since then those same fields um, lush and green have got and some yeah lush green huge huge yield crops yes. Um, that they've just been able to transform with with no-till and controlled traffic and effective herbicide control. Yep. Um, you know, really doing away with some of the other practices that were pretty common at the time of like burning the stubble. Uh, you know, now they mulch it, all of that stuff. Yeah. Let's but, let's finish with the Utes. The <laughs> I I would probably call it a pickup. Yeah, and not, yeah. So I don't not a pickup truck for utility, mm-hmm. right? These are generally smaller pickup trucks. Pickups. So if you were to describe, I mean, a lot of the American guys here like the F one fifty is kind of the classic, yeah, pickup or the Ram fifteen hundred or the yeah. What's the other one? That one that would be too big. Yeah, that would. So they're, they're significantly bigger than what an Australian farmer will drive around. Yes. Um, the most common type of vehicle there that the Australian farmer drives around is called a ute, U-T-E, yep. just short for utility, as in a utility vehicle. Um, and they have a tray, like a pickup, a four-wheel drive. They're almost always diesel turbo, though. So yes. they have huge, huge, you know, pretty strong torque for a relatively small engine, um, great pulling power. Um, but they're a lot smaller. Toyota Land Cruiser, Toyota Hilux are kind of some mm-hmm. of the common ones. But what was your impression of them, John? Well, so part of this has to do with my commentary on how flat Australia is. Nobody in Australia builds bridges to speak of. Mm-hmm. 
you just put snorkels on your utes so when it does flood you can drive down through the water and back up out the other side and keep going yeah that's okay that's one way to look at it yeah <laughs> all this all the civil engineers skipped bridge building day just said ah oh, don't worry about it they they really did there are precious few bridges in australia and even yeah. even like culverts escape the imagination of most australians <laughs> well it rains rains so infrequently <laughs> I, I guess the thinking is as we mentioned earlier that you know the murray river oh it's, which Australia, it's, it's just a big river, creek yeah it's just a big creek compared to something like the mississippi or the uh what's the other one the lewis well the there's the, runs east there's, west in uh, america uh well there's the columbia river in the northwest yeah. uh there's uh the colorado river yeah, it's not like the Colorado River. I mean, it's I, it really I, doesn't compare at all. I I reckon it's like the Colorado as it crosses the Mexican border. Yeah, and for anybody that knows that it, it really doesn't anymore, it's not that much of a stretch. There are times where the Murray goes dry. Yeah, absolutely. It's very much a um, as you mentioned with those farmers up in Queensland. You're know, making the most of the floods when they're there. I mean, that's where it starts. And then it filters down through western New South Wales. You know, that's the Darling, sorry, the Darling, Darling connects to the Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it runs into the ocean at uh, in South Australia. But the, the, the Murray River and the Darling River, by comparison to the Colorado and the Mississippi, it's just a little creek, just a little creek, just a little stream that you can, yeah, step, walk across in your, in your boots in a lot of different places, but... Um, yeah, the snorkels on the on the utes are kind of for when it does rain and there is some rain around. You can just keep on going. Yep, you just keep going. You don't need to know where the road the is because there's no road markers. But you have the ute, yeah. so uh, the snorkel yeah. on the ute. So everything's diesel. Yes. So the water doesn't worry it, and uh, yeah, turbo diesel, so you can keep pulling the yeah three four mm-hmm. tons of whatever on the back, and away you go. Yep. Well, but a lot smaller. Than the F-150s. Yes, they are smaller than F-150s. I did see a couple of Ram 1500s and F-150s, but they're pretty rare and very expensive. With that, I hope everybody's enjoyed the extended version of the uh, Back from Australia podcast here. I think this has been a great discussion, and I want to say thank you very much, James. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's good to have a good chat about uh, my home country and look forward to you know, seeing some of the photos that you post up uh, in the group. John, I think everyone would get a kick out of them, and thanks oh. for having me on, and I hope everyone enjoyed it. Yeah, I'll have to do some more of that, so keep on the lookout for more Back From Australia pics. I'd like to round out this three-part Back From Australia series by expressing gratitude. And I'm, I'm going to list off a, a whole bunch of names. I'm not doing this in any particular order because I learned something from each and every person on this list. So I'm, I'm going to start with Schuster's, and I, I really want to say thank you to them for hosting a, a meeting, an event at the Barnes. Uh, and if you're looking for a wedding venue, hey, howdy, that is the spot. Uh, the Lanyons and the Radcliffe's. Karen, Karen Radcliffe, you have the simplest, finest farm financial management system that I have seen anywhere in the world. The Whites and the Cooks, those lamb chops that that evening were absolutely delicious. Uh, Oxley's for the tour of their chaff mill, uh, the Brothers Eckert, 
what a wonderful story. Uh, I, I appreciated learning about your grandfather clearing the farm and, and uh, the size and scale. I'm, I'm sure that he's proud of what you have achieved. The Cooks, the Hooths, Wilkins, thank you all so much for tours of your farms. I, I appreciate it all. Oh, I almost forgot uh, Alex Peacock along with Beck and Joel Wolf. What fantastic folks. I want to say thank you to uh, Rob Ford with Thrive Agri for a tour of a hay press. Corey at Johnson's, same thing. I, I really enjoyed that. And then Bryce. Uh, well, Bryce and I have messaged back and forth on social media for what seems like forever, and I finally got to visit uh, Bryce at Multicube. So thank you all for the tours of your hay presses. And then, oh, great conversations with folks like Rob Lawson and Phil Snowden. And then a special thank you to all the folks at Feed Central that made this trip possible. And the folks at, at Feed Central, everybody was so good to me. Stephen and Neville and Dave, Jill. And then a special thank you to some of my traveling partners, Alex and Anthony. And most of all, to Tim and Megan Ford for making that all possible. Thank you, everybody, so much. And thank you to the Australian Fodder Industry Association for having me down there to speak at your conference. You can invite me back. I'd love to come back to Australia. Australia.